I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, I'm a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. It is The Real Brian Show. Another week, another show. And today I am exploring the whole idea of standing up for yourself. I think this is kind of a big one for most of us. And I'm also chatting with a friend here, uh, also former co-host of mine, all the way from the land down under. You might have seen him in a couple of reality shows, by the way. Cool guy. Lots of fun to come. And besides, you know, this is the best show ever. So I feel like... Are you serious? Well, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let's rock it. I am the real Brian. Thank you so much for joining me here today. My goodness. Can you believe January is halfway over already? I went, wait, what? What just happened? Oh my gosh, time flies. I Wow, having a great time, I guess. I'm having a good time, I'm having a good January. I hope you are too. But anyway, I really appreciate you joining me here on The Real Brian Show. And again, thank you so much to the wonderful Patreon supporters. You guys continue to help make this show a possibility because uh, let's face it, as of right now, this is a labor of love. That's going to change. But in the beginning, you know, hey, we're just, uh, you know, spending my money and my time to hopefully entertain and encourage you. That's my plan. (laughs) So here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. If you like The Real Brian Show, and well, I mean, if you're listening consistently here, subscribe on iTunes. If you haven't already done that, subscribe to The Real Brian Show, and then please share it with at least one friend. Just go do that right. Well, okay, listen to the show, but please do that. Subscribe, share it with one, at least one friend. That would really help out trying to get this out to as many people as I can so that I can, you know, hopefully encourage them as well. That is the goal. That is the plan. All right. So this week I decided that we would dub Galactic Caffeination Appreciation Week. Of course, right? We have to. So let me ask you this. What Appreciation Week would you like to see? Anything, you know, you're thinking like, I we need to have like Galactic snow shovelers appreciation week or something like that i mean let me know let me know talk to me you can get in touch with me at realbrianshow.com by the way just contact and all that good stuff so the couple this is about a month ago now i want to say playing basketball and i hyper extend my elbow so by the way i'm going for the ball my arm is outstretched a normal move here in basketball and what happens somebody runs into my arm and takes the elbow well the arm the wrong way and well, anyway, so I'm trying to heal from this. This was a pretty bad hyperextension, by the way. I've had this happen before, but I mean, this is one of those things that took about a month to heal. So I get back into basketball this last week. I'm very excited. I'm feeling good. The body's great. The elbow finally feeling great. I'm just having a great time draining threes so that I'm getting ready to defend as the ball's incoming. And instead of passing the ball to another person, the ball is passed at my fingers. I don't think it's broken. 
but wow, that hurt. And it is one of the worst sprains I've had in a long time. And, uh, you know, I've actually broken two fingers before playing basketball. I just, I just want to go play basketball and get some exercise and have some fun and relax. Yeah, it does make typing a little difficult. A couple of artists that I uh, have recently... Well, I haven't necessarily recently discovered these artists. Some of them, a couple of them I have, and a couple of them uh, just new songs anyway, but I was going to share a, a four of them really quick because I thought they were kind of cool. Star Set, a band that I actually discovered a while ago, but they have a new album out. Some interesting new music. I like them. Modesty, and I'd never heard of them. I think they're more of an indie band, but uh, I, I like the song that I have on my list. And then Future of Forestry and uh, Ilya, both groups that are older i've known about them for a while but they have two new songs that i like on giant's shoulders for future of forestry and i like it because it's got this orchestral electronic thing going on that's just really cool they they know how to use the dynamics and oh it's fun and Ilya's new song is fire in the middle it's almost kind of an 80s feel i don't know it's the weirdest thing but i, I just listening to it i'm going this is cool i like this now you'll probably learn from me that i like songs with minor keys check it out it's my Spotify mix, and in case you're interested in that kind of thing. Now, I finally watched episode one of Killjoy's recommendation from The Flash and also Podcast Overlord. I, it was all right. It didn't really grab my attention. I mean, this is just episode one, by the way. Does it get better? Because I know sometimes, you know, you throw out a pilot for a show and it's okay. And, you know, it's just one of those. It's a pitch, right? And then they get approved and then they really take on the season and it gets better from there. But everyone's like, oh, my gosh, there's so much humor. It's an incredible show. There wasn't that much humor and I thought it was okay. So I'm wondering if that's just the first episode and the show starts to really build upon itself and get better or if this is what I'm, you know, in in for. Okay, let's talk something fun here. So Sarah made something recently. We're trying out, you know, new. She loves to cook, by the way. It's kind of her, her therapy. And I've mentioned this before, but she, we were trying out some some new things and we did a recipe, but then we, you know, I, I added a few spices to it, did a few things to it, uh, at least on the recipe and all. She made it, but it is a chipotle grass-fed steak fajita dish. Nor tortillas, by the way. Um, just the meat, grass-fed cheese, and then, you know, the, the vegetables. So we, we did the green peppers and the onions and the mushrooms and that kind of thing. Wow. So you marinate the meat, by the way, in this sauce and seasoning basically it's all healthy it's all healthy sauce and seasoning and you marinate it for what at 48 hours i believe is what up to 48 hours wow wow i mean the flavor wow incredible so i'm a huge fan of spice and i'm not talking heat spice but more of the flavor spice sarah got a, a birthday gift card you know we went over the weekend and so we were like oh we got to use this and this is a great restaurant, by the way, and I actually normally like their stuff, but I got a dish that said, you know, it's got all these different spices in it and I get to it. And then, I mean, it is, it's hot. It's just pure heat. And I mean, it was burning me so much. And I'm like, I am so sorry. Like, Cause she said, oh no, it's not that hot. It's mild. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can't take pepper heat as much as some people. I can eat ginger, garlic, turmeric, horseradish raw. No problem. Even wasabi doesn't bother me because that's that intense spice and then it goes away. But, you know, those pepper spices, they linger and I can't handle them as much as most people. But I'll tell you what, this was this was killing me. And I'm like, I'm, so, I'm just so sorry. I can't eat this. And she said, well, we can make it, you know, without the spice they put in it, this pepper. I said, sure, let's try that. Came back. No heat at all. Flavor was exactly the same. And I thought, OK, so there really are supposed quote spices 
that are only heat with no flavor to them. So which one are you? Are you a heat kind of spice person or are you a more of a flavor spice person? I mean, you could be both. I get that. I mean, I'm all about flavor. Bring on the flavor for me. You know, another thing that I wanted to bring up here, and this goes along with what I said I'm going to talk about here shortly, is the idea of standing up for yourself. I had an interesting interaction with somebody from another country, a definite language barrier. It was a business interaction, and there were some miscommunications that happened. Because of the language barrier, some things were said that were very clear as far as here is exactly what this person said. It was a very clear statement. I took that statement and I ran with it. And then found out later that, no, no, that's not what they meant because of the language barrier. They communicated it incorrectly and then, you know, corrected saying, no, this is what I meant. Now, most of the time I'd be like, whatever, right? Sorry, no big deal. You know, it's a miscommunication. It's a language barrier. However, this was a costly miscommunication. This caused some problems. Now, again, I have grace for that. It happens. Miscommunications. We make mistakes. You know, language barrier. I get that. But the thing that I think I didn't like is that at first this person did not apologize. In fact, it was told to me that I misunderstood, that it was my misunderstanding and sorry that I misunderstood. And I thought, well, you said this. How how was I supposed to understand it differently if this is what you wrote? Uh, now, granted, that person did come back and you know apologize, and, and I appreciated that, but never took responsibility for the miscommunication and never uh, fixed the problem. How do you best handle something like this? Because they're not willing to budge. They're thinking like, whatever, maybe it's a cultural thing. It's a different country. I don't know. But I was just like, well, thanks. That kind of screwed me over because of a language barrier and a miscommunication. And I kind of let it go kind of like, well, I don't want to be a jerk. And, you know, I'm not trying to sue somebody, but I am as a result screwed as a, you know, because of this. And it goes back to what I'm saying about standing up for myself. You know, how how much do you stand up for yourself and fight for it versus, well, it's okay. You know, there's grace for that. Everybody makes a mistake. Where, where's the line here? How do you handle that kind of thing? This also goes along with, you know, when I got hit, some of you don't know this, but I was riding my bike a couple of years ago. This is actually right after my surgery. After I ruptured my disc, they did surgery on my on my disc and messed up my sciatic nerve. It was a 1% risk that I took. And I've told the story before. And as a result, I have partial paralysis and uh, basically, you know, signal down doesn't doesn't go to some of the muscles, right? So I'm recovering. I'm on my bike. Biking for some reason is not affected. Walking is walking's not easy for me, but biking, no problem. So I'm on my bike. I'm on the sidewalk. This guy pulls out. He did not have the right of way, kind of came out of nowhere kind of thing and didn't look and hit me. Didn't see me, didn't even know I was there. I mean, pulled over because he heard something, even though I hit the front of his hood. Like, how did you not see me? I mean, he felt bad. I'm not mad at this guy, but his insurance company tried to blame it on me, saying I hit him and that I didn't have the right of way and that I felt entitled to cross in front of him. And I'm going, I was on a sidewalk in the state of Colorado. And where I was specifically is talking about that you, as a biker, first of all, you can ride on the sidewalk. And two, if you're on the sidewalk, you are considered a pedestrian, meaning you have the right of way. But the insurance company basically was threatening to, you know, charge me and sue me for the damages to his car and blah, 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 and everything else. And it was all my fault. After consulting a lawyer and a lot of other research and that kind of thing, too, it just felt, you know, it might not be something worth fighting because let's face it, I am walking. I'm not seriously injured. You know, they were just like, let's call it a wash and move on. 
I kind of look back on that and I say, should I have stood up for myself a little bit more on that one? Uh, and maybe not. Maybe it was okay to let go and move forward. But it, it just kind of, you know, you have these experiences in life where sometimes you just got to say, you know what? Cool. No problem. I don't need to win this battle. It's fine. And then in other situations, you kind of go, you know, I kind of got walked over in that one. I got screwed over or I got hurt or whatever the case is. Should I have stood up for myself? And that's not to say we're here to start a war. It's not to say that we're going to, you know, punch somebody and, and you know, I got to win this, you know, because of pride. Like, I'm not talking about that. But where's the line in standing up for yourself? Those are my two little stories. I am going to talk about that here in just a minute. I think it's important. But first of all, I have two special guests joining me here at The Real Brian Show. First of all, please welcome our very first guest, Smeagol. What did you call me? Smeagol. Oh, sorry, Gollum. Well, Gollum, thank you so much for being here on The Real Brian Show. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. The Real Brian Show is very precious. Well, I'm glad you agree as well. Well, that's very good to hear, and I do thank you very, very much for your service. Well, I think we can all agree with that, Gollum. I mean, honestly, it's the real Brian show, and you're the man, by the way. So I. Wow. Well, that was very nice. Thank you so much for singing that one. All right. Also joining us today, my good friend from the house elf community, Dobby. Welcome, buddy. Hello. Dobby. So good to see you. Whoa, Gollum. What the? Dobby likes me. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. Master's my friend. Wow. Uh, Dobby, I don't think that Gollum actually meant to offend you. Offend Dobby? That was an awful thing to say. Yeah, I would agree with that one. Uh, so apparently you guys know each other. Dobby cannot say so. He does not care if we be hungry. He does not care if we should die. Okay, hang on a second here, Gollum. Uh, Dobby, okay, first of all, sit down for a second here. Sit, sit down? Yeah, okay, so now you have to tell me what happened between you two. A plot to make most terrible things happen. What terrible things? It is difficult, sir. Dobby wonders where to begin. They stole it from us. Stole what? Dobby feels most aggrieved, sir. Dobby had to iron his hands. Yeah, but what did you steal? You're a liar and a thief. Indeed. Yes, sir. Murderer. Dobby never meant to kill. Dobby only meant to maim or seriously injure. You killed someone? Shame on you. Shame on you. Of course. Dobby is still treated like vermin. Well, okay, maybe we should just, you know... Do you not see what lies ahead when sun has failed and moon is dead? Okay, Dobby, for... Okay, let's start here. What brings you to the O'Brien show? Dobby has heard of your greatness, sir. Well, it wouldn't go that far. first. Yeah, okay, but thank you, Dobby. I appreciate that. Anything, sir. So, Gollum, what brings you here? Master's my friend. Master looks after us now. Ah, well, that's good of you to say, and, and very true, by the way. Dobby has no master. What did you say? Dobby is free. Go away. I shouldn't have said that. I hate you. Dobby! 
Dobby, stop. Dobby had to punish himself, sir. Are you okay, Colin? Hold on a sec. Uh, Take a drink here for a second. What? Bones! Bones us! It's just coffee. Master betrayed us. What? Trixie, false. No! It's just hot. No, 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 no. Okay, just. just, Hey, hey, stop for a sec. Just. uh, Dude, dude, just. Just let it cool off, okay? Dude, hey, it's just coffee. That doesn't taste very nice, does that, Precious? Okay, sorry about that. Kill them both. Dobby is used to death threats, sir. Dobby gets them five times a day at home. Leave now and never come back. No! Leave now and never come back. Yeah, no, this is my show and my studio. No, stop here. Okay, why, why do these interviews always suck so much? What is wrong with you people? Not listening. Not listening. Okay, just... Uh, okay. I think we really need to just... Yeah, I think that that's actually a very good idea. All right, well, thank you very much for joining me. Okay, well... Uh, <laughs> so I shared a couple stories earlier about getting hit and about the uh, miscommunication interaction with a person from another country. I am typically a nice person. You know, I like to encourage others. I like to help other people. I like to serve other people. However, in the last few years, I have found a, let's call it an imbalance of basically standing up for myself and or getting what I deserve, getting what I'm, I'm worth in that kind of sense. Being an entrepreneur, I get a lot of people expecting me to have time and ability to go out of my way for them. Granted, again, I like to serve others. I like to help other people and I don't want to have to say, oh yeah, I'm enough to charge you for that or I'm going to send you an invoice or whatever. You know, a lot of times I'm like, sure, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help. And I really am. But there comes a point too where eventually it becomes too much and I'm helping people too much and then I feel like I'm being used and abused, right? Now, I know I'm not the only one here. I'm just kind of bringing up some some things I've been thinking about lately. You also know, too, that when you are out there doing things for people and you're doing something that is intended to serve someone else or help somebody else or be an encouragement or whatever, and then you look at the fact that you're barely able to pay your bills, that's a problem, (laughs) right? So then you say, all right, well, no, I got to start charging for this kind of stuff. But then people say, well, never mind that. I don't need it, right? We all want stuff for free. YouTube's free podcasting's free. I mean, let's face it, right? Anybody can listen to a podcast for free. Anybody can get onto YouTube for free. There's so many things we can do for free now. So why would we pay for it if we get stuff for free? But if you go to a movie, you pay for it. If you uh, subscribe to Netflix, you pay for it. I got to thinking about this um, and I've been experiencing this quite a bit that, you know, I really do want to help people. I want to serve people. But a a lot of times recently, it's been at the expense of taking care of my own responsibilities, taking care of Sarah, taking care of, you know, just our own personal needs and stuff like that. I mean, it's that thing they tell you, right? When you're on a plane, put your oxygen mask on first before helping the person next to you. Because if you're not getting oxygen, you can't help the next person, right? And I heard this wonderful quote recently uh, by Mike Kim. Good guy, by the way, smart guy. 
And basically what he said was when you're struggling financially or you're burnt out or you're emotionally bankrupt, I really like that, emotionally bankrupt, you simply lack the resources to be of service. Oh my gosh. I've been there and I feel like I am almost there right now. I love the Real Brian Show. I'm going to continue to do the Real Brian Show because this is why I'm on this earth is to do a show like this. So I will find a way to make this work. But I was just like, I am in that place in many ways because I give so much, so much time, so much effort, so much energy, everything. And, uh, you know, it doesn't always come back. And that's, hey, that's cool, right? But when it becomes a burden and I, quote, lack the resources, how am I supposed to be of service? So I love what he said there. And then he goes on later to talk about, you know, you really do need to have the necessary resources. And that's not just money. Like he's talking about, so he talks about emotionally bankrupt. Well, why are you, are you surrounding yourself with the right people and the right things? And, you know, are you burnt out? Well, take some rest time, you know, relax. There's all kinds of good things like that. If you're struggling financially, well then, you know, get that in order and then you have the resources to be of service. So I really appreciated that. Am I standing up for myself enough? Somebody comes to me and says, uh, you know, Hey, can you help me with something? And most of the time I'm going to say yes, but I think there are going to be some times where I'm just going to need to say, I'm going to have to charge for this. Going beyond the business, though, this is even talking about, you know, how are your friends, family, and neighbors with you? Do they respect your time? You know, when you say, uh, I'd love to get together with you and I have an hour or I have until this specific time and then, you know, you get to that time or you get to that hour mark and they just bowl all over you and no, 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 man, we're going to, you know, you're good. You can stay a little longer or, you know, hey, I have a quick question for you. I only need five minutes and then it turns into an hour, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, what about that? What about, um, you know, balance with the food you eat? I mean, I, I love talking about awesome foods and talking about donuts and sugary drinks and everything. But the reality is, is that if I only eat that, I'm going to be in serious health trouble. You know, there's balance there. Uh, busyness in general. I mean, we know people in our lives that it is a badge of honor to be as busy as possible to the point of like serious concern. Is that a good thing? I don't think so. I mean, come on being, you know, having full, a full life and and being of service and making a difference. Absolutely. But being busy just to be busy and get that quote badge of honor. Yeah. Work-life balance, so on and so forth. There's so many things in there that I think, you know, you've got to have that balance in your life. Now, why am I bringing this stuff up? Because it's experiences I've had recently and I've been thinking about this and Sarah was talking about something. She said, you know what? For 2017, this year is going to be love God, love people and have balance in life, work life, food, busyness, all that balance and all that. I love that. And regardless of your beliefs, I'm pretty sure that we can all say this, love people and have balance in life, right? But having balance in life, you know, we talk about this, you know, there, there are things we need to do over the weekend. I needed to clean out clothes that I've had from 10 plus years ago. You know, some of them don't fit well anymore. Some of them stretched out their old style, right? It's like, Hey, you know, I need some, <laughs> I need clothes that, that fit me better. These are too big. These are tense. So we finally went through clothes that I've been meaning to go through for a very long time. And we cleaned out some of our closet and stuff like that. That's not fun to do. I don't enjoy doing that kind of stuff. It's nice when it's done. But then at the same time, we took some downtime and it was a good work-life balance. We needed that time to say, we are going to work hard on this day, but we're going to take this day off. And uh, it, it's easy though, I think to say, we're going to just push through the entire weekend and get this done until we're done. And then you start the work week off and you feel like you're going to die because you never rested, right? So I think there's, there's some good balance in that. 
it's almost impossible for me to have a balance in my life. And it's almost impossible for me to truly love people. And I'm not just talking about, oh, yeah, I love you. Amen. I got your back. Respect. You know, really to be able to serve and help somebody else, you've got to be able to stand up for yourself as well. This is also, from what I understand now, becoming something that you would call self-advocacy. Same thing. Stand up for yourself. Self-advocacy, whatever it is. And again, you're not doing it in a way that is being a jerk. You're not doing it in a way that starts a war or creates hurt or any other problems like that. But there is, you know, like boundaries, right? You just need to stand up for yourself because nobody else is going to do it, right? I mean, well, somebody might. Somebody might stand up for you, but most of the time they're not. And so something that I've decided is that I got to start standing up for my time, my skills, my experience, uh, you know, my health. Of course, I stand up for Sarah. I stand up for my friends and family. I mean, that's stuff I always do anyway. But I stand up for them more than I stand up for myself. And that's something that I just need to do. And so when I say I've got an hour, I have an hour. And granted, as an extrovert, oh, I would love to meet for two or three hours because I like people. One of the things that I kind of appreciate is when somebody says I have one hour and I'm going to need to leave it you know, at this time. And then I say, all right. And what I do is I meet with them and then I keep a watch on the time to make sure that we wrap up at that time. Now, people don't always tell me that, and when they don't tell me that, then there's really no end time in sight. So I just kind of keep going, and then you know they hint at trying to get away, and I don't always notice that. So then I disrespect their time, and I go over their boundaries, but I didn't know about it, right? So it's the same kind of thing. It's my responsibility to tell others, and it's up to them whether or not they can respect it. And if they don't respect it, that's cool. I can move on. Also, my responsibility, of course, to you know respect others when they communicate to me. I would like to encourage all of us If you're not already doing this, start standing up for yourself more. Have that self-advocacy in your life. I have observed some people in my life where they are naturally a little bit weaker. You know, they're not natural leaders. They won't stand up for themselves as much and they don't say anything and they just kind of go along with whatever. And, you know, they let people kind of run them, if you know what I mean. I don't think that they are, quote, weak people per se, but I do see that in many ways they do act weaker Uh, in situations and all that. And unfortunately, some people, whether they actually intentionally or unintentionally mean this, they do take advantage of the situations. I don't want anybody to be in that weakened state. I don't want anybody to ever feel like that they don't have an opportunity and the ability to stand up for themselves. But again, not to be a jerk. You're not there to push it back in somebody's face. You're not there to pick a fight. You're there to say, this is what I need to do. And I need you to respect me. And you know what? Most of the time people are going to say, cool. Of course, I'd love to hear any thoughts you have, experiences you have, advice. Hey, throw it out. That's fine. Let's do this. But I would also encourage you and me and all of us to have that self-advocacy in our lives. Let's rock this. Come on. We got it. I want to talk here with a friend of mine. I've known this guy for a while. We actually, let's see, we connected back in 2013. He was uh, my co-host for TV Talk, The Big Bang Theory. He is from the land down under. We had a great time and we've kept in touch uh, over the years a little bit. And and you may have even seen him on a couple of reality shows, which we'll talk about here. Uh, and maybe you know him. Who knows? His name is Stephen Brandon. Podcast name is Aussie Steve. Yes, it's time for TV Talk, the Big Bang. <laughs> How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good, too. Steven, welcome to the real Brian show, man. Let me ask you, where's the fake Brian? If you're the real Brian, who's the fake Brian? Everyone else. Oh, true. Yeah, true that. Exactly. There can only be one real Brian. Let me sidebar before we even start the interview. <laughs> so I host trivia yeah. regularly. And one of my questions every week is, a, who am I? Mm-hmm. So I give you where I was born, what school I went to, what I studied. And I end up becoming a celebrity. I end up being Jack Nicholson or Tom Brady or mm-hmm. whatnot. 
we had trivia and it was, who am I? I was born June something, 1994 in Greenbow, Alabama. Mm, Forrest Gump. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. And people ran up to get the 10 point clue because they were so excited to Forrest Gump. And then other teams, they didn't cotton on to the fact that this was a fictional character. Yeah. And they were, they were just thinking it was someone real. Uh, you know, I went into the army. I got shot down. I ended up starting a uh, business, you know. Uh, Interesting. Uh, I, I started jogging, things like that. They couldn't <laughs> get over the fact that who was real and who was fake. Uh, but I particularly liked it was, a, it was a fictional who am I. I love it. All right. Now let's get back to the very heavy <laughs> ask me a question. I've already sidebarred. We've got a little bit of a history here, and that's kind of cool. But uh, you and I, it wasn't my first podcasting gig. What uh, Was it yours or had you been doing I, I, some? We are co-broadcasters. Yes. Uh, you were my you were my you were my first partner in crime uh, when it came to sort of having my own podcast or at least a weekly check-in and uh, chit-chat yeah. uh, about a, a particular subject matter this subject matter being the big bang theory which was such a treat I hey, had a good time with that it's my life's mission my life's goal to watch television and get paid for it <laughs> because it is my passion to watch television so if i can do that if i can fulfill my passion and get paid for it at the same time then mission complete. See, that's the funny part. And that's why I talk about this is because, you know, everyone's like, follow your passion and the money's going to follow. Essentially what happened with you and me for that matter is that we followed our passion of watching television and the money followed, right? Yes. I, I can't say a lot of money followed <laughs> and I can't say that lasted, but for so, a, a, a little moment, a one brief shining moment in time, the money followed the good old days. Yes. <laughs> Remember so, when we used to get paid to review television to shows TV. podcasts? <laughs> oh, that was so good. Yeah. What are we doing now? We're not getting paid anymore. So do you believe that, you know, if you if you uh, follow your passion, the money, or I mean, if you, if you go after your passion, identify it, the money's going to follow. Do you believe that? Yes. If you play your cards right, if you, it's a game. You have to learn to play the game. Some people go to the game. I'm in the show business game. Other people are in different games. Some people go into the game and like, I'm going to play it my way or the highway. I'm not going to adapt. You know, this is how I'm just going to run my path straight. Forget you zigzags. But I think you have to learn to zigzag. I think you have to learn yeah. to play the game. You have to, you know, a little bit of compromise early on can lead to success later on. You know, but wouldn't you say that to- there's more behind it though? I mean, as far as the passion goes, you know, oh, like for example, my passion is to watch television. Uh, which, you know, I mean, it, let's face it, that is a passion for a lot of people. What's behind it, though? Like, why do you watch television? What's the point? Because you I enjoy feeling something. Okay. Oh. Uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to get either comedy or drama or heartfelt stuff. You're going to, you know, you're going to feel something. It's also television is a great way to escape. Sure. Uh, go somewhere else. Uh, but also me, I'm a storyteller and I enjoy watching other people's stories and I enjoy mm-hmm. telling stories myself. So and I have this creative energy in me that somehow has to get out. Uh, and I take inspiration for from television and then create my own stuff. I really appreciate you saying that. What do you think about people who say TV is a waste of time and you should stop watching it? Well, look, each to their own. And I think there's a certain amount of TV you can watch, which is not a waste of time. I mean, look, some people want to be in the laboratory creating scientific experiments and bettering humans. That's great. That's their waste of time. You know, my ah. waste of time is watching television and going to the movies. Other people's waste of time is reading books. Everyone has, they're going to spend their time a certain way. And in other people's eyes, it may be a waste, but in their eyes, it's not. So, you know, one man's uh, trash is another man's treasure. By the way, I agree with you. Uh, I've never found TV or movies a waste of time. I mean, if you're just vegging and doing nothing for no reason, then that's different. But 
you know, I, I'm totally with you on TV and movies is that I am a huge, well, talk about passions, right? Storytelling is a passion for me. And, and so not just telling stories, but like you said, watching or reading other people's stories is, is creating a science experiment in a lab, bettering humans. Yes. But don't stories better humans. Yes. We look, we each, I don't have a scientific brain. I'm not going to contribute that way. Sure. Uh, me neither. You know, but I can make you laugh and entertain you and maybe teach you something through a trivia night or if there are a moral or a lesson in one of my stories. Yeah, I agree I with make, you. I can make your drive better to work <laughs> while you listen to this in your car. Yes. On the bus, walking, yeah. whatever it is you do. Biking, flying. Yeah. I suppose you want my super origin story, huh? I do, but before you go there, you need to share something with us that uh, most, most of us don't know. You do not know just by looking at me or by hearing me that I am a national touch rugby champion. Yeah. Yes. Everyone <laughs> played sport in the weekends when I went to school and my brother's uh, were national ping pong champions. I went to drama class because I liked acting. I liked theater, stuff like that. In 1994, 1995, the Australian Theater for Young People, my drama teacher, uh, her name was Kate Blanchett. Uh, she took me for two semesters and then she went off to do a few movies. I don't know what happened to her since. Yeah. Uh, but I did a lot of <laughs> drama stuff. So I was no good at sport, never any good at sport. I moved to Los Angeles. You know, you live in LA and a lot of it's about appearance and you have to go to the gym. It's kind of compulsory to be, which is a bit looking good. Mm-hmm. So I started playing racquetball and tennis and then a bunch of Aussies, fellow Aussies, we started a touch rugby game uh, every Sunday, which I've been playing for five years every Sunday in the park. But then uh, a group in Manhattan Beach started to train for like a professional league uh, and I joined their team and there's a national championship every year. 2013, we went to Orlando, Florida mm-hmm. for the national champions. Uh, and we were the LA Royals. And, you know, there was a Washington team and a New York team and an Atlanta team. You know, I played on a sporting team and we ended up uh, winning the national champions. Nice. And I've never done that before. I've never won anything. Actually, I'm on my, sitting on my desk now and you can't see, but I have a trophy on my desk. It's from Carnival Cruises. I won a hairiest chest competition. <laughs> but not, you don't just have to have the hairiest chest. You have to perform. You know, they ask you to do a right, dance. They right. throw a towel in the middle of the boat and you have to pretend it's a snake and you have to wrestle it. Wow. So, so it's uh, the Wookiee prize. Basically. Yes. So I, I, in my career, I have a medal for a national champion, touch rugby, and I have a trophy for Harry's chest. That's my secret power. Unless you're shirtless, in which case you'd... And then it's kind of kind of obvious. Kind of obvious, but no, I understand that. Wow. Well, well, thank you for uh, sharing that. And I remember, you know, when you were playing the rugby team, because that's when you and I were yes. starting our, our little uh, co-hosting career. I'm not a competitive guy, basically, mm-hmm. because I'm just so used to either not playing or losing that I don't get off on winning. But when I play in a team, I never want to let my teammates down. So I will give 100%. I love that. Know, so uh, you're not competitive. I can in let myself of, down every day. Yeah. I wake up. Stephen, I'm going to do some writing. I end up watching TV. I'm going to do some work. I end up playing games. I only disappoint myself. That's fine. Fair enough. Which is why, you know, I'm a sitcom writer and I have a writing partner. And I think it's great for me to have a partner because I have a responsibility. I have uh, someone looking over me. I, ha- I have to work for them as well. Mm-hmm. And I never want to let them down. If I have to work by myself, I can disappoint myself every day. That's fine. But I'm never going to let a teammate down. So you got people's backs. That's, I mean, really, that's a huge thing too. And it's, it is easy, I think, you know, when you're on your own, it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're kind of, do, again, you know, if you're doing it for yourself, it's pretty self-focused anyway, but if you're doing it for somebody else, it's always going to make a difference. Yes. That's why it's important to have deadlines and things like that. Absolutely. I work well to deadlines and, you know. Nice. What are you currently doing and working on? 
Uh, right now, I'm working on my next uh, musical. Oh, nice. So back in Australia, I used to run a theatre company and I used to uh, bring American musicals to Australia. And now I'm here in America, parody shows are all the rage. There's a lot of cabaret people doing, you know, taking movies and turning them into musicals. And two years ago, 2014, I co-wrote and directed Lost the Musical. We have mm-hmm. to go back. Nice. Six seasons of the TV show Lost in a one, one three-hour musical. And now, due to popular demand, February 2017 in Westeros, Hollywood, Game of Thrones, the musical. Nice. So currently right now, cool. uh, my partner, Stephen Christopher Parker, and I are finishing the book for Game of Thrones, the musical. Uh, we have a original music this time. We, we did parody songs in the Lost the Musical, but now we have a team of people who are putting together our original music. And then we open up uh, in February, Game of Thrones, the musical. That's my current big project at the moment. Nice. Congrats. That's going to be awesome. Thank you. Yes. It's going to be in Hollywood. It's going to run about 10 weeks. Uh, Everyone's going to be so Game of Thrones deprived since it hasn't been on. And they'll be hungry, hungry for it. So uh, we hope to uh, quench people's appetite by bringing them to the theater and retelling uh, season one, book one, story of the Starks in uh, Game of Thrones, the musical. Love it. Timing too, man. Timing's everything. Yes. They're going to be hungry for it. They're ready for it. Yes, they're going to be hungry, hungry little direwolves. <laughs> and uh, let me just get my first plug out of the way. Just go to www.theateriscoming.com to get all your information about Game of Thrones the musical. Theateriscoming.com. You got it. That's going to be Yes, it's song. a song of nice satire. The books are a song of ice and fire. Yes. Or a song of nice satire. I love it. See, your writing's always been great. And I've, I've had a you know, privilege to see some of it. And it's, it's fantastic. Uh, but you've also done some other stuff too. About a year ago now, two years ago, you know, time time warps sometimes. So, tell me about some of those things you got a chance to do recently. When I'm not writing or I don't have a job, I'm always applying for game shows because I host trivia. I have lots of useless information in my head, mainly pop culture stuff. Uh, but you know, I used to watch Wipeout, mm-hmm. which was that summer show, the Obstacle Course show. I was like, I could do that, and then I applied, and then I got on Wipeout. And uh, go to YouTube, write Stephen on Wipeout. You'll see me. I was so great at that show because I wiped out a lot. Uh, because, you know, I had a friend who went on that show and he, he basically conquered every course and he didn't fall once, but they didn't show him on TV because who wants to see someone succeed? That would be American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. They want to see, you want to see people fail, you watch Wipeout. And coincidentally, it was a blind date episode. So I um, was teamed up with a girl that I never met. We had to run the course together, hold hands and fall in love. Uh, we did not fall in love, but it was still hilarious. Uh, and then people started sending me newsletters and information about other game shows. I went on a game show called Baggage where you talk about all your, the baggage that you have, you know, in relationships and you try and meet someone. Uh, Jerry Springer hosted that one. And then I went on a show called Excused where you meet different girls and then you excuse them. Uh, And then one day I get a phone call. Would you like to take a all expenses paid free trip to Panama? Nice. Three girls. I'm like, yeah, sounds great. Uh, (laughs) We'll pay you a thousand dollars. Oh, sounds, sounds great. What's the catch? Oh, you have to be naked. Oh, yeah. The whole time. The whole time. Oh, wow. And I said, are the girls naked too? And they said, yes. I said, all right, I'm in. <laughs> Honestly, I've always been very self-conscious about my body. Yeah. And uh, this was post-rugby. So I was in better shape than usual. And I thought to myself, what do I got to lose? And what is more better inspiration to go on a diet and lose weight, knowing that I'm going to be on TV in a month or two naked? So I was a contestant on Dating Naked. That was an experience. i tell you this. Once you have ridden naked on an ATV with a complete stranger in Panama for all the world to see. There's nothing you can't do in this world. There's no (laughs) challenge I cannot accomplish knowing that I could do that. You know, ain't no mountain high enough, baby. Ain't no river wide enough. 
that I, you know, I'm fairly self-conscious too, when it comes to that. And it's one of those things that, you know, we're, we're taught our entire lives that, you know, cover up, cover up kind of thing. I don't know how the heck you did that. You know what I mean? Like, and like you said, for the world to see video cameras staring at you, you know, like, yeah, here's the secret. Don't wow. look down. Don't look, Just don't look down. That's the secret. <laughs> Just keep going. Just keep going. Now, I'm assuming uh, that, you know, to get this on primetime, they, you know, they, they bleep stuff out. Sort they, of they, they blur the front. They do not blur yeah. the back. Interesting. So they were able to get that on primetime. Yes. Uh, VH1 oh. cable, basic cable. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, okay. Okay. But I got I to gotta tell you, you know, people come up to me now. Three years later, someone comes up to me. I'm hosting karaoke. Someone comes up to me with a phone. They show me the phone and the naked picture of me on their phone. They say, oh, is this you? <laughs> and I say, yes, this is me. You know, I, 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 a I bad joke, man. It's true. People come up to me and they go, I see, I've seen you naked. And I'm like, who hasn't? Come on. Yeah. But it's very funny because I actually met a few editors from that show. And those poor editors who they have to watch it uncut because they don't put the blurs on until the end. Yeah. That's cost money. So I, I, I feel sorry or lucky. I don't know for some of these, these poor editors who have to watch all the uncut footage. Wow. And it's funny because I go back and I watch the show now. I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing? Stephen, put it away. But it was definitely an experience at the time. And uh, that's one thing I'm known for, but hopefully we can have other things that I'm known for as well. Oh, absolutely. No, I just, I, I thought that yeah. was very interesting because that's one of those things that, you know, you kind of go, wow, what a, <laughs> what an experience, you know, and, and how you got through that. But man, that's a, that's a way to, yeah. You know. If you watch the episode, I definitely had trials and tribulations. I was actually out there to find someone. A lot of people are just there to be on TV, but I think the audience definitely connected with me because they could see that I was definitely looking for love and I was taking it seriously. Uh, you know, one of the girls I was with, she shared her hair extensions and her fake tan. And it was just like, look at me, look at me. I was there to try and make a connection and make the most of the experience. Yeah. See, and that's real though. And people actually want the real thing. And I think people are getting kind of tired of the whole fake junk out there. So I think so. I, I think that fake Brian podcast, no good, but the real Brian yeah, podcast. That's success. what it's all about. That's what it's yes. all about. Yes. It's true, man. They want that transparency. They want the real stuff. So did you, did you fall in love? On the island, did I fall in love? No, I did not fall in love. Did I make a romantic connection? Yes, a little romantic connection. It's funny, the, the girl on the island, uh, she was very much into me while the cameras were on. Mm. Cameras were not on, not so much into me. Of course. I will tell you that when I returned home from shooting that episode, I did find a real romantic connection. And uh, that connection remains strong today. Good, but not from the, uh, not from the not show, from the not show. from the island. Okay. Not, not, not from the show. Gotcha. Good. And I, you know how I did it? Mm. I met someone... At an event. Really? Didn't do it through social media. Uh, it was actually <laughs> wait, wait, through a friend. You yeah, were in exactly. Person? There was no there was there was a real human being. In person. Uh, in person. How did you talk to her? Well, actually, I was hosting trivia. Okay. So did you came. actually like look at her and open your mouth? Yes. Say yes. hi. There was no, there was no wow. screen in front of us. A friend that I made at Comic Con years ago brought this friend to trivia that I was hosting. Huh. And that's how we started talking, getting, <laughs> getting to know each other. So, Good but you know, you. she's of the younger generation. So she's all about texting. And I'm like, I can't text. I can't be having this. I'm, I'm an old school guy. I like to call. Yeah. You know, and I call and it's like, <laughs> what's going on? What's wrong? Why are you calling me? I know. Nobody uses their phone for <laughs> this, phone calls This is anymore. how I used to call. And in, in, when I used to start, when I was started dating, I would call people. Yeah. But she's since taught me how to tell a story through emojis. And she's oh. very proud of how I could, we could have conversations just through emojis now. Yeah, that's kind of uh, the new thing now. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's basically hieroglyphic. What's my word? Hieroglyphics. That's it. Yeah. Hieroglyphics. But I like hieroglyphics, actually, because well, that's, that's a good combination. Because they are graphics. Exactly. Yes. We've um, coined something new. So if you look at the, what the pyramids, the Egyptians had the pyramids, they were basically just the original emojis. <laughs> that's true. 
Well, congratulations on, uh, you know, actually meeting a real person in real life, having a real, you know, person to person, face to face conversation. Like that's, that's it's awesome. true. And now my days of dating game shows are gone. Good. Uh, I since have done two other game shows. Actually, one was called Idiot Test, which was a game show network where I was, you know, proved to myself to be an idiot, which was great. Didn't win any money there. Uh, and then I was on a uh, workout show called Sweat Inc. with Jillian Michaels. And I had a personal trainer. Nice. I did two hours in the morning at the beach, outdoors with exercise, and then two hours gym in the afternoon. I ended up losing about 20 pounds. This is how TV helps me. I want a personal trainer. I cannot afford a personal trainer. I will do a reality show where I get a free personal trainer. I love it. That is that is the same thing, you know? Yeah, so create your eight-pack, be on TV. Exactly. I, I like have it. a six-pack. It's just hidden behind a bag of ice. See, that's what I, you know, I say the same thing. I keep telling my wife, I'm like, look, I got a six-pack here. You just can only see, you know, four of the six or two of the six or whatever. Maybe it's only two. I'm working on it. <laughs> it's hard. I'll tell you what, it is very hard. And, and it's something I've, uh, you know, knowing, knowing some of the actors from Arrow and stuff and talking to them, they just said, you know, you, if you want to see your six pack, you will never enjoy your food again. Yes. And I went, well, I don't know, you know if what? I'm quite they're, they're, that They're far. getting paid for their six exactly. pack. Exactly. Because they got to get their shirt off weekly. Yeah. Your wife loves you no matter what. So you're cool. Doesn't matter. I, I mean, I, I want to look healthy. I want to be healthy. And so I'm doing my best, but you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to put down the cookie. No. <laughs> I want the cookie. Once Even in a though while. cookies are sometimes food, they're still good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. So, so you've touched on this a little bit. What do you think your superpower or superpowers are? I, one of my superpowers is creativity mm-hmm. uh, and organization. I'm definitely a great organizer when it comes to group outings or I always throw spectacular birthday parties. I organize really great things. Saying yes, trying everything. That was my big mission when I moved to Los Angeles nine years ago. Just say yes, try everything. Some things might not work. Some things you might think, oh, I should have said no, mm-hmm. but you'll only learn by saying yes. Hmm. So I that's would, why when they called me up and said, do you want to be on TV naked? I said, yes. You know, you, you don't regret it now, right? You said, well, it was an experience and you're looking back, you're kind of like, wow, what was that? But hey, you don't regret it. No, 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 no regrets. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I think that's an important thing too, is to have no regrets in life. You know, you may make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Sometimes they're huge, but you know what? you're not going to learn unless you just go and do and see what happens. And yes, life experiences that they'll, they'll teach you everything. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, it's good to know certain things <laughs> like, you know, maybe know your I limits, shouldn't, know your boundaries. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't wrestle with this lion today. Yes. Cause that, yeah. Um, Perhaps using a whip is a better idea. Yeah. Or, you know, slapping an elk on the butt is probably not the best idea. Although uh, I'm tempted most of the time. Now I would also have to say that some of your superpowers include humor and storytelling for sure. So people, I've had people come up to me and say, when did you realize you were funny? Or have you always been funny? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to make people laugh, but I'm not a stand up comedian. I can't, mm-hmm. I don't have a set. I can't tell you a joke. Yes. Um, my joke comes from seeing a situation and throwing in a pun or, you know, making people laugh like that. But I yeah. can't, uh, I don't just turn it on. I just, it has to sort of come naturally. You're funny in the moment. You're funny around people. And then sometimes you just can't turn it on no matter what. And it's just what it is. Yeah, I also throw out 10 jokes an hour and nine of them suck, but the last one's great. <laughs> but this doesn't matter it's because you keep trying. It's a process of elimination. Yeah, exactly. How have you embraced your inner nerd? I mean, you just shared your superpowers, so. To not be afraid to show it off. Put it on the forefront. You know, they always say, you be you. You know, do, do as you do. You know, don't worry about conforming to other people's expectations. You do you. If you look at my uh, t-shirt drawer, I have some nice t-shirts which are plain colors and then i have my second drawer which are all my nerd shirts yeah you know, where everyone loves mashups i have a 
teenage Muppet Ninja Kermit shirt where it's <laughs> Kermit the Frog dressed as a Ninja Turtle. I have the Ghostbusters Ecto Van chasing the ghosts from Pac-Man nice. on a T-shirt. You know, I have lots of Muppet stuff because uh, that's my big nerd passion, Muppets. Wear it loud and proud. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I wear my nerddom on my literal sleeve. Before the Big Bang Theory, I think nerds had to kind of hide, you know? It was yeah. embarrassing to say I was at Comic-Con, I went to the comic store. I think the Big Bang Theory is really sort of given pop culture and nerd culture lots of exposure in the positive light. And now I feel going to Comic-Con or going to the comic store is great and people embrace that and enjoy that and it's not something to hide behind anymore. Okay, this is interesting. Um, did you see the 21 Jump Street movie reboot? Yes, so that, okay, that was kind of funny because um, it just reminded me of something like what you said with, with uh, Big Bang Theory that, you know, when, when they were, uh, the, you know, the two guys were in high school originally, you know, the, it was the typical cool people were cool and the nerds were nerds kind of thing. And then yes. they went back and it's like, wait a minute, this is all backwards. Yes. Like nerds are yes. cool. What the heck? There's when did this definitely happen? been a transition. Yeah. Everyone has their secret inner nerd, whether they're willing to admit it or not break that wall down and come out and say, look, I'm a nerd, here's my passions, and find so many other people because now we have the access to find other people who like those passions because we have the internet, because we have Facebook groups, because we have Twitter and Tumblr and things like that. You might be a, a Garfield fan, but you never knew how to connect with other Garfield fans. Yeah, that's true. You used to fa- get fanzines and newsletters and clubs like that, and you'd have to do it via mail. What about Pokemon Go? That's been such a recent phenomenon. Yeah, and everyone's uh, doing and, that. <laughs> and I see people wandering the streets and making friends and meeting at gyms and things like that because yeah. they're Pokemon friends and they're all just sharing their love of one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's neat, you know, and, and, and it's kind of funny because you reminded me of a, just, you know, looking back a little bit on, on uh, when I was a nerd in my younger years, you know, it's, you know, I, I grew up with Star Trek, the next generation, and I loved it and I was a huge yeah. sci-fi fan, but I couldn't tell anybody. You know, it's like those of us that watched it and I'm not kidding, like we really did watch it in secret and it was a couple of friends of ours, you know, we'd, we'd talk to each other about it, but you know, other than that, no one knew I liked Star Trek because if I told somebody you'd get beat up, it's just the way it was, you know, like you go through high school like that and you just, ah, you know, but one of the things I had to learn how to do was how to quote fit in. And so, you know, I had, and this is where the inner nerd idea came from is that, you know, my quote outer side of me was, you know, social and normal and I dressed nice and I was respectful and, you know, oh yeah, basketball, sports, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I'm a pianist. So I'm cool, you know, but then there was the quote inner side, the inner nerd that was, uh, you know, still loving the whole Star Trek thing. It was the closet stuff, you know, is when I went home and then in college, that's when my friend and I came up with this whole idea for the inner nerd is, you know, just embrace it because who cares what people think, right? The older you get, who cares? Yes. I mean, if you look at just human behavior, we're all putting on a front. We're all just trying to, we just, we all just want to be liked. I know. We all just want so people true. to like us. You had to be cool before, you know, so yeah. people would like you. And now since nerd is cool, uh, I um, went to Comic-Con this year and I had a dream recently and I finally fulfilled it, which was I wanted to get old classic bed sheets and turn them into button down shirts. Nice. So I went on eBay and I bought a DuckTales <laughs> bed sheet that some oh, kid slept on when he was young. <laughs> Thoroughly cleaned it. I took it to That's a good. dressmaker. They sent it over to India. They came back and I was wearing a shirt, button-down shirt made out of DuckTales bed sheets. Interesting. Very comfortable. I got so many compliments in San Diego, people loving my shirt. Yeah. Saying that was so cool. They know that this is me, this is who I am, 
And this is me asking for validation. And I got so much validation from it. That's cool. People really are responding well to shirts. And you and I, I think um, it wasn't until you and I were doing the Big Bang Theory on TV talk that we were commenting on Sheldon's shirts. Yes. And I had a few shirts like that, but I never really wore too many of those because, well, gosh, this has been what? Almost three years ago now that you and I were doing that. You know, at the time, I think three years ago, wearing shirts like that was starting to become kind of cool. But, you know, people weren't really sure what to do. And mm-hmm. and I remember going, oh, I love Sheldon's shirts. I want to get those. And then, you know, you had introduced me to Sheldon'sShirts.com or whatever the heck the website is. And yeah. I started going out and uh, I didn't go to Sheldon's shirts, but I, I started trying to find unique shirts that very few people would buy like ripped apparel, some of those, I started wearing those around. And and recently I get so many comments on those shirts, just like you were talking about where people are going, oh man, that's a great shirt. Or, you know, they laugh or they go, that's whatever it is, you know, but it just, it elicits conversation and then it, it, gre- it brings a smile to people's face. It's really cool. It's basically a tattoo without the pain. Yeah. Because that's, so that's how you change it too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. People would used to express themselves the tattoos, but they're permanent. There's so many people out there who have, tattoos of signatures because they meet their heroes and they sign their arm and then they go straight to the tattoo store and they get those signatures tattooed on so it's there for life. Yeah. So, you know, that's another people just embracing their nerdum, having it readily available uh, for people to see anytime they like. So obviously you've got a lot of, uh, you know, passions, a lot of inner nerddom, things you nerd out about that kind of thing. But what are some of the, uh, you know, kind of going along with your superpowers a little bit too, what are some of the things that you embrace that you've been able to now use in a way that, you know, has allowed you to unleash your superhero and impact others? Because obviously you're doing it. I mean, that's the thing. You're not just sitting around and hoping. Uh, I know someone who works for Fox 5 San Diego News. So they've had me on that show on the news when I've been at Comic-Con to talk about Comic-Con and what's there. That's given me an opportunity to plug my musicals. Yeah. Things like that. Um, and you're an expert too. Comic-Con expert. That, that's the title they gave me, the Fox <laughs> 5 San Diego News Comic-Con expert. That's awesome. People had, a, people had a chuckle when they saw pictures of that. Yeah. But having been to Comic-Con 10 years, I'd like to consider myself a bit of an expert I would, on I would where say to so. go and how to, how to make way through the crowds and things like that. Yeah. As a TV writer, I, I went, I've had meetings in uh, various studios around town and I'll go into someone's office and I'll see a piece of art on their wall and I'll comment on it. And, you know, you're looking for that common bond. The very first time, you mean you meet a stranger, you're looking for some sort of commonality something that you can talk about. You know, when you're on Dating Naked, there's only two people who are having the same experience and that's you and the person you're dating. So that bonds you. We became very, we became very fast friends on Dating Naked yeah. because we had that thing in common. When you meet other people, you're looking for that common interest. You used to have to talk about sports or, you know, things like that. Now you can pop up television shows, movies, references like that, and they'll catch on to something pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. So what, let me ask you this. What started this? I know you kind of had a passion for writing and nerddom and stuff, but what was it in, you know, I don't know how many years ago that you're just in that moment, you're going, I'm going to take a leap and go after this one quote thing that I nerd out about, whatever that was. Well, I think my creative desire to do something, if you want to work in television like I do, there are many people who are there to say no and very few people to say yes. No, it costs a lot more money to develop a TV show and get that on the air. Uh, and I was getting no's all around. So I think the, what I had to create my own project in which there was no one to say no to me. Yeah. So by creating a, you know, taking my creative energy and instead of pushing it towards a television show where there were so many barriers, uh, musical theater and stuff like that, independent theater, you can do yourself. Uh, there was no one to say no. So it gave me that opportunity 
to make create my own yes and to do it myself. So even before that, though, I mean, you know, you're I don't know how you how young you were at the time, but you're a kid or, yes. or high school or I, whatever, whatever age, you know, you're you're at that moment where you're just going, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I've got all these passions and these things that I nerd out about, you know, what was it? What was the the one or, or a few things even that you just said, I need to go after this. I think it was just television in general because I enjoyed watching it so much and I wanted to sort of be part of that, creating it, uh, which is kind of why it was always my dream to come to America because Australia never really had sitcoms. We did a lot of lifestyle programming, a lot of reality shows, a lot of dramas, but when it came to, come to, came to comedy, we were importing American product. So I grew up watching Cheers and Seinfeld and Friends and things like that and I knew that if I wanted to make something like that, I'd have to come to America. When I... Uh, got out of college, one of my first jobs was working for TV Week, uh, which was the Australian version of TV Guide. And I was basic, I mean, I did a communications degree. And the first job I had was being a sub editor, which was basically typing up the programming that week. Six o'clock, Simpsons, 6.30, News, seven o'clock, this. But one of my specialties was I didn't have to go to the internet to find out what one episode was about because I already knew because I'd seen it before or I'd already researched it. So I was very good at that job as a sub-editor. And then eventually I uh, moved to TV Hits magazine, which is more of a um, like a people or an us kind of magazine. I was writing articles about uh, what was on in TV, all while still trying to figure out ways to get to America so I could pursue writing. Uh, and I had a theater company in Sydney because, again, I had that creative energy and I wanted to partake in, in some sort of uh, creative output. So while I was working at the TV magazines in the day, at nighttime I would have rehearsals and I was producing theater at night. Uh, and then eventually I won the green card lottery, uh, which is where Australia gets 500 green cards a year in a major lottery. Uh, literally, I entered my name every year for five years. On the fifth year, my name got pulled out of the hat. Congratulations, you may live and work in the United States. Wow. And that's when I, that's when I head over here. You said five years to apply for that, just to get that right there. But then you yes. also had to go through quite a few years of working on other things to get to where you wanted to be, you know, which was going right in, in the U.S. Were there quite a few times where you're just like, what am I doing? You know, I got to give up and do something realistic now. Well, that's what my mother always wanted. Really? I, I, uh, look, if I'm going, obviously I had to have a job. I had sure. to survive. Sure. Um, but I was never go- willing to kind of work either in customer service or take anything just for the money. I had to skew it to my interests, uh, which is like why I said why I went. Even though being an editor in TV Week is a very boring and uh, monotonous job of just typing in what time the shows are on, um, yeah. at least I was interested in what I was writing Yeah, and all the, seeing what was on television. At least I was kind of in the right building, to say, in the right industry. Yeah. So, you know, I was never that interested in being like a doctor or a lawyer or any sort of typical secure job. I'm crazy. Us artistic freaks, are, we are attracted to insecurity. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's incredible to hear your, your perseverance on that because I, you know, I understand that, you know, when you just kind of push through things and obviously I've had to persevere to get to where I'm at right now. And mm-hmm. I have had quite a few people who have said, man, I don't know how you did it. Or, you know, I don't know if I could have persevered like that or, you know, they make comments like that. And I start to think yeah. about that. And, you know, at first you just kind of think, oh, well, you know, it's just what you got to do. And uh, but the more I started to really, you know, think about that, the more I started to go, how many people do persevere? I mean, really, uh, percentage wise, how many people actually do get out there and persevere and go after it? Because I, I find that that's really the only way you're going to go anywhere. And a lot of times people will say, well, if there's opposition, 
it must not be meant to be. And I'm starting to think there, there, is a, there is something to be said about that. Like some opposition means it's not meant to be, but some opposition means it's very much meant to be. And like, that's kind of the whole point is you got to push past that in order to get stronger and uh, be able to handle what's to come because, you know, you, you get to your quote dream passion or, you know, embracing that inner nerd or whatever that is, you know, if you're really going to be the one to handle whatever it is you're going after, then there's a lot of responsibility there and you got to be able to, to take it on perseverance is a really good step towards that. You know, just the fact that you were working in jobs that, like you said, it was boring, but at least you were in the right industry. Great attitude. Second thing, you're like, I'm, I'm going after this green card lottery. Five years, man. After the third year, most people will be like, okay, I'm done, dude. Forget this. I'm staying here. Awesome. I mean, look, here's the thing. I'm responsible to no one but myself. If I was younger and I was married and I had children, I have responsibilities to other people and they would probably come first. But the way uh, my path was laid out, I'm only responsible to myself, so I could reach for the sky like that. You are right about that. But at the same time, I don't think that people that are married and have children, um, I don't think that reaching for the sky is outside of their reality. No, not at all. But I do agree that they do have responsibilities that others don't. Yes, and people might think, well, I have to give up that dream. Um, I think you can have it all. I think you can at least attempt to have it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, and things don't always look like, you know, the way you originally set out to do, because a lot of times we have these ideas in our mind like, oh, I'm going to go after this. But, you know, that idea isn't right, but it's something similar, you know, or whatever that is either better or different than you expected or whatever. But um, yeah, a lot of times I think, you know, we get these things in our head that we got to be careful about because we may not know what's best for us sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to go through life to understand, oh, actually, I'm on the right track, but this is better or this is whatever. You know, what is that mark? What, what is it that you're going to do to impact the world? Everybody has that purpose. It doesn't have to be this massive thing that everyone's, you know, you're, you're the most famous person in the world. Everybody knows you. It's not like that. You may impact a few around you only, but it will be something that no one else can do. I mean, you know whose fault this is? This is all death's fault. If none of us died, we wouldn't be so concerned about leaving a legacy. <laughs> but because we know that one day we're going to leave this earth, we want to leave it better than what we started at and we want to be remembered because that's we're all ego driven. That's yeah. that's the one flaw in our design. We're driven by ego, which of course leads to war, which of course leads to more death. But uh, if none of us had egos, this wouldn't matter. But the, that's how humans are designed. That's what we all strive for. But I think too, you know, going along with the ego, I think there's something to be said about, um, yeah, you want to be remembered, like you said, but you even said it, you want to leave the quote earth better than it was when you came into it. Right. And, and I, and I think in many ways that's where the, uh, you know, you want to impact others. So whether they quote, remember you or not, I think if someone's life is impacted by something that you do, uh, that doesn't necessarily have to, in, you know, incorporate ego as it could. I mean, it, and it probably does a little bit, but you know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily just about the ego. Yes. It's about really making a difference in someone else's life, which a lot of people are like, stop trying to be someone else because Everyone else is already taken. So be yourself. No one else can be you. And you'll hear it in, in business is that when you are doing what you're meant to do in this world, you are always unique because no one else can share your story. No one else has your particular set of skills, etc. It's true. People want you to follow suit, become a, more of a sheep. Uh, and you think, oh, if I want to be like them, I have to be like them. Uh, when the only reason they're like them is because they were the first of their kind. They're the only one of that person. So you trying to be like them, you'll just become, you'll, you'll end up in second. Uh, but if you want to become first, like everyone else, you like, 
that's the saying, be yourself and uh, you will shine through eventually. Yeah. We aren't always, you know, privileged to hear a direct thanks or, or a response to something that we've done in our life. You know, share a story of a time where, you know, someone told you of a time that you basically had impacted them through something that you've done when you've unleashed your superhero. Um, I recently called one of my actor buddies who was in Lost the Musical to talk to him about Game of Thrones the Musical. And he's, he's actually uh, living with another fellow castmate that he met in Lost the Musical. And he said to me, thanks to you, Stephen, I have a place to live. Because if I hadn't done this musical, I wouldn't have met this guy. And if I hadn't met that guy, I, he wouldn't have had a spare room and I would have been kicked out of my apartment. I would have had nowhere to go. I don't think I'm directly responsible for that, but um, I'll take your thanks and I'll say you're welcome because I've created friendships. Yeah. I've created lifelong bonds by putting 17 people in a room together to do a performance uh, four nights a week. They created such a bond. You know, Two of them are roommates and they live together and one of them has a roof over their heads. I haven't created my own personal family, but I have created the Lost the Musical family and they are a family for life now. The whole family thing is, is very important too, I think, because, you know, uh, like you said, you know, you, you may not have an actual personal family and, and a lot of people don't, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people are feeling alone in the world because they don't have that personal family, but there are families like you talked about, the Lost the Musical family. I think it's important. Yes. So, yeah, and, and family's not just about blood, and some blood family really sucks. So, you know, sometimes you do need the, the non-blood family, so I think it's great. Yes, uh, there's blood and water, and it's all good either way. That's right. I think that's neat. You know, when uh, somebody had asked me when I was wrapping up ProfitCast, mm-hmm. how had I really profited with, you know, my podcasting and that kind of thing, too? And it's like, well, I could sit here and talk about money, and I can talk about, you know, all the, the actual true monetary things and profit that had actually happened. You know, I realized that really what was the most most important thing and most powerful thing was, uh, you know, the relationships that were built through podcasting. And uh, and to me, that was the greatest profit, the greatest result of what I had done versus money or other successful things like that. So, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's cool. So what would you like to work on next if you had your way? What's your ideal project? I mean, I know you're doing the Game of Thrones musical and everything, but. Uh, you know, beyond that, what would be your idea? Well, I got to say, Game of Thrones the musical. I hope it's going to be a success. Four thousand people is is what I can is what can four thousand people can see Game of Thrones the musical because we have a hundred seats. We're doing forty shows. Nice. I would like to do something that four million people can see. Ah, okay. So you know, it's nice to affect my small circle, but obviously, I would like to affect more people. Sure. As I do these sort of uh, creations and you know a lot of people are doing YouTube YouTube videos and things like that we, we eventually want to get to a I want to sell something to Amazon to Netflix to a network so I can have more and more people have the opportunity and even if it's just I give them a laugh at the end of the day that's a little small thing that I can do to help others nice I love it yeah. so do you have any specific ideas in mind that you would want to do or is that kind of the hush hush thing well no I mean I have a bunch of pilots that, are, that I've written with my writing partner, a bunch of projects in the pipeline, as they say. I need a champion. Everyone needs a champion yeah. to help them get the word out there. You know, I have an agent, I have a manager, they're my champions, uh, but they also champion other people. And a lot of people are championing other people and it's hard to get to the top of the pile. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm still that needle in the haystack, uh, but I'm trying to shine a light on myself by doing my own projects so I'll be much easier to find in the future. 
Uh, let me ask you this. I think you're right about that. People do need champions. And I think a lot of times people have a hard time getting a champion. Do you have any idea <laughs> how someone gets a champion? They put themselves out there and show their strengths uh, so that someone can believe in them. I mean, there are people out there in the champion business. That's what agents and managers are. Yeah, that's true. Um, they're in that business. They want to, to help others and guide them and nurture them. So a friend of mine said this, and I, and I love it. It was one of the best, best sayings I've ever heard, and I don't think I'd ever heard it before. But you always hear the people saying, it's who you know. You know, get out yes. there. It's who you know. And his whole thing is, oh, it's not who you know. It's who knows you. And I thought, wow, that's so subtle, but it's very true because there are a lot of people that I know personally. And yeah. I find that those people that I know and that I'm like, man, it's good to know those people. I find that the reality is that I'm actually chasing those people. That's fanboy. I'm not getting anywhere by knowing them and chasing them. That's ridiculous. That yeah. That's a waste of my time. It's a waste of anybody's time for that matter. And it looks like I'm, you know, kind of got a what's the word stalker issue, <laughs> you know, but the, the reality is, is that if they know me because I've delivered them value of some kind, whatever it is, they find yeah. value in me. They know me. That's a really good place to be. And that's a, that's a hard one because who knows you, man? That's yeah, that's, that's where it becomes, that's where it becomes successful. That's where it becomes uh, profitable or where you become a superhero in that sense. But getting to that point is very difficult. And I think it comes down to what you said, put yourself out there. But at the same time, you got to put yourself out there um, in a way that delivers somebody value, whatever that value is. Doesn't matter. That's my thought. Exactly. Put yourself out there. You shall receive. I like it. All right. So let's do this. Share a piece of encouragement. Find your inner champion and champion yourself. So wait, you're saying don't even don't even find a champion. No, I'm saying that if you find your own champion, other champions will be attracted to you. Oh, oh. You you have to look out for number one sometimes, and you have to be your biggest cheerleader. Uh, And once you start cheering, other people will join your team. Okay, so this sounds so simple, and yet it's not. I like this. Find your inner champion, champion yourself, because then others will be attracted to that champion. I think what what you're touching on here is actually something that a lot of people never get. So what... What do you do to get that? Well, you have to, like a lot of people hate themselves or they don't like themselves very much. You got to find the thing that you like about yourself, champion that and make that your inner strength and something that you can pursue. Uh, and by championing yourself in that area that you like, like I said, it, it'll attract others and that will eventually help you. This is interesting because, uh, you know, when I, when I was getting ready to, to launch the Real Brian show, it, everything, everything that you do, you're going to have your struggles. You're going to have your, your tough situations. You're going to have things that aren't going the way they should, right? I mean, that's just the way things are, no matter where you're at. But I quickly discovered that if I shared that with people that aren't in my trusted circle, mm-hmm. you know, so just random people, hey, how's it going? Or, you know, what are you doing right now? Or when are you going to launch the Real Brian Show? And I'm like, oh, man, dude, I'm working on it. I've got all these things going on. And if I share the struggles with people that I don't, or that, like I said, that are not in that trusted inner circle, their response to that is, oh, all right, well, I guess it'll never launch then. And it's mm. just like, wait, what? Where, how did you get that? But it's because I was not sharing my, quote, inner champion, and so they were not attracted to anything. They were just like, eh, whatever. But if I was like, oh, you know, it's going really well, and 
you know, as with anything, there's always the challenges, but we're overcoming them and we're ready to do this. And, and I'm excited. And then you share the excitement and, you know, yep. you, like you said, you're, you're championing yourself. You're promoting it. It's like, booyah, it's going to be amazing. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen. They don't even know what they're listening to, but they can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're talking about Game of Thrones, a musical. Yes. We have no idea the challenges you're facing, but of course you're facing challenges. Of course you're, you know, you're facing horrible, horrible circumstances sometimes because that's the way everything is. You got to overcome them, but you're not going to share that. You're going to share about how amazing it's going to be and how it's going to be the best freaking musical ever and about how people should actually buy a ticket to LA and fly out, right? Well, definitely. I mean, not everyone wants to know how the sausage is made. Exactly. They just want to enjoy the delicious hot dog that comes at the end. (laughs) They don't want to know what's in it either. (laughs) No, I mean, yes. Enjoy your delicious Game of Thrones musical. Never mind knowing the struggles and the casting and the uh, actors and the, the musicians and the, the, this and the that and the advertising and the whatnot. But uh, the, the product at the end will be uh, worthwhile. I love it. <laughs> see, see the wisdom that you have? I am the great and powerful Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You're the Oz man. Wait. I, I am the Wizard of Oz, A-U-S. I like it. The Wizard of Aussie Steve. Oh, man. Thanks for joining me, man. This was great. I appreciate it. You're most it. welcome, Brian. I hope uh, that anyone listening can get inspired. Well, and, I was inspired. Uh, find their inner superhero as well. Absolutely. So let's get your contact information. How do we get in touch with you? And then, of course, tell us about uh, the Game of Thrones, the musical. Yes. Send all love and hate to at Stephen B29, S-T-E-V-E-N-B-29, uh, the number 29 at Twitter. Uh, you can see pictures of me at Stephen B29B on Instagram. And then, of course, Game of Thrones, the musical, the website is theateriscoming.com. That's where you can find out some information, book your tickets. Or you can go to GOT Musical, at GOT Musical on Twitter, uh, GOT Musical on Facebook. But, the, you know, the main hub will be theateriscoming.com. Ozzy, Steve, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. It was, it was fun to talk again and uh, hang out and catch up and hear what everything was going on. I appreciate it. You're most welcome, Brian. Ozzy, Steve, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for being here on The Real Brian Show. A pleasure as always. Well, that is all I have for this week. I hope you have an amazing week. We'll see you again next week. Got a lot coming to you. In the meantime, enjoy. I am The Real Brian. Sign it off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.